Local Content Podcast, your go-to source for content creation, strategy, and business inspiration. I'm your host, Mel Daniels, content strategist, coach, and speaker, empowering women across the globe to grow their business with powerful content that connects, nurtures, and converts. So if you're ready to create standout content that gets you noticed and remembered, or build an aligned audience who love you and are ready to buy from you, you're in the right place. I believe that content has the power to connect us all. It's up to you how you use it. Listen in for genuine and insightful chats with guests, as well as practical tools and strategies from me. It's so lovely to have you here. Let's dive into the show. Hello, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 55 of the Powerful Content Podcast. I've always wanted to say that. You would have noticed something a little bit different about the episode today, and I'm clearly not Mel, but it's Mel's one-year anniversary episode of hosting this podcast, and I'd been pestering her for ages to be on the podcast, or more to the point, she'd been pestering me. So we figured for a one-year anniversary, do something a little bit different, and here we are. So I guess if you've come here today looking for content tips from your host, you're bang out of luck, because clearly I know nothing about content, but luckily I'm married to someone who is an expert, so we can get some tips from her. In today's episode, however, it's all about finding out a little bit more about Mel. So some people sent in some questions, I've snuck in a few of my own. I'm hoping that we will help you if you get some content, but you know, I might also uh, find out a few things about Mel which will uh, help me in my marriage. So, you know, here we go, let's get on with it. Okay, so Mel, welcome. Thank you. You didn't introduce yourself, Mr. Meld. Oh, sorry, yes. Well, I'm Adam. I'm no longer Mr. Meld. <laughs> Makes me sound like a uh, Mr. Men character. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm Adam, and yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. I'm really excited as well. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm excited, Ad. What are you nervous about? I'm nervous about the questions you're going to throw at me. Well, I've, you know... We're, we're very different and, you know, I tend to like try and go off the rails a little bit. You tend to try and stay on the straight and narrow a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's what makes a, uh, a beautiful marriage. So uh, shall we shall we get on with it? <laughs> Let's. Okay, cool. All right. So first question, start with something a little bit non-contenty and non... Well, maybe this is a bit controversial, but anyway, we'll, we'll let the listeners decide. Um, so what are your favorite pizza toppings? <laughs> I don't know that I have a favorite per se, but I have something that I really, really don't like, and that is anchovies. I just do not understand the point of anchovies, of fairy fish on pizzas, but I know you're totally the opposite. Yes, they're like probably my favorite pizza <laughs> topping. Maybe we're getting into a theme here in, in, in our relationship. <laughs> I can respect your uh, opinion. They're, it can be quite polarizing, the anchovy, whatever um, blows your hair back, I guess. <laughs> We'll just have to agree to disagree. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right. So next question. In a previous working life, you were involved in banking and banking is clearly very different to content strategy. Mm. So why the change and how did you, I guess, what was the process for you to go from being in banking to working in your own business and, and doing content strategy? Mm. From the outset, it might seem like it's different, but in many ways, I think that there's a lot of similarities. But something I think a lot of people don't know about me, Ad, is that I actually have a marketing degree. It's a long time since I've been at uni, but 
that's what I did at university. So I have a Bachelor of Commerce um, degree, uh, majoring in marketing and sub-majoring in management science, a little known subject (laughs) of management science. But anyway, the story behind this is that I actually got a job in the marketing space for a well-known glass company in Australia in the last semester of university. So I was really super excited that I had secured a job and that I could start in that marketing space before I actually graduated from uni. Uh, However, it ended up falling through and long story short, I didn't get to finish my degree with a job. So funnily enough, I had applied for a bank in their graduate program probably, I don't know, maybe like six months beforehand. And I'd never actually cancelled that application. And it turned out that I actually got a job with one of the banks, with uh, the Commonwealth Bank. So I decided to give it a go, mainly because of the fact that I had lack of choice and I was a little bit desperate at the time to have a job. But I've had so many opportunities, as you know, and we actually met through uh, the Commonwealth Bank as well. Story for another day, I, I think, but I had just had so many different opportunities. I worked as a credit analyst. I worked in the sales area of business banking. I looked after a mainframe system that the bank had, as you know, and I had lots of um, business development opportunities as well. But the last role that I had largely involved communication and um, writing content for, for other people, so ghostwriting. And I guess that that's probably sparked my love of content and communication. I've even got a postgraduate certificate in communication as well, another little known fact. But that's probably what sparked my love of content strategy. So when I left for maternity leave and then decided that corporate space was not for me anymore and that I wanted to start my own business, then it kind of fell naturally into my lap that content should be the focus of um, the services that I provided. And you mentioned that in one of your last roles, there was a lot of it was around communication and writing content and so forth. How did you end up in that job? That's a really tough question, but I think that throughout my life, I've always had amazing supporters. So people who have mentored me and who have been really supportive of the work that I did. And I think that it just kind of landed in my lap in terms of looking after a team that was really diversified. So it covered things from human resources through to learning and development through to project management for a whole division of the bank. So that communication role just naturally came to me. And I think that people could see that I was good at it as well. So they kind of just mentored me through it. Hmm. I guess, and it's interesting, this is probably on a bit of a tangent, but you know, I'm from a I work in in a corporate environment, have often or always really worked for big corporates. And as much as they've got their negatives, one of the real positives is there's lots of stuff you can do. There's lots of things you can learn. And you kind of often land in roles that you don't really know how or why you got there, Mm. but they're things you can take on to wherever you end up going. Yeah, definitely. So we know, I guess we found out a little bit about how you got to where you are. Broader question, what motivates you to, to get up in the morning? Like what when, when the alarm goes off at whatever ungodly hour it gets off, what is it that get, makes you jump out of bed? <laughs> I don't know that I jump out of bed these days. I used to be a very much an early riser, go to bed early and get up early. But like you said, there's a couple of days of the week where the alarm does go off at a bit of an ungodly hour, like at about 5.20 a.m. and I get up and go to the gym. So I'm really quite motivated to go to the gym because most of my 
followers would know. I don't know if my listeners of the podcast would necessarily know, but I love to lift weights. So being able to jump out of bed and go and do that is really, really exciting. But I'd say that in general, I love, you know, being able to tick things off a list, being able to achieve things through throughout the day. And it's really about creating things, creating content, creating courses or training or material that really helps my followers to win at business themselves. For me, it's all about watching others thrive and helping them through those aha moments so they can actually thrive in their business and achieve what they want to achieve. Cool. And look, that's something that I I see all the time. So I see you and you're always getting stuff done and I can see how it like the the spark in your eye when you when you're getting that stuff done so uh i would as as an as an independent observer i would completely agree with what you just said (laughs) thanks dad all right so what's your greatest personal achievement that's a tough question as well because you know i think that people would probably say you know the birth of their children or getting married and yes they're great achievements but throughout my life i feel like i have been an, an achiever as well you know back from the early days where I was school captain at high school and, you know, the youngest executive manager in my division at the bank. There's lots of little personal well, big personal achievements. But if I'm going to look at myself right now and, you know, things that I've done in my 40s, I would say deadlifting. You know how much I love to deadlift ad. <laughs> and every time I come back from the gym, you're always saying, did you get a PB? Did you get a PB today? But recently I hit my goal of deadlifting one and a half times my body weight. And I'm really excited about that to think that I actually got there. Not sure how I feel about being uh, that being your pers- greatest personal achievement. But you know what? <laughs> this is this is what's important to you. So well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, so you've been doing this podcast for a, for a while now. A year. Uh, up to episode 55. Yes. I did remember that. <laughs> And clearly, this is going to be your favorite episode of this podcast. <laughs> but apart from this one, which podcast episode has been your favorite that you have been involved with putting together? I cannot honestly pick. But yes, of course, this will be my favorite going forward, this episode. And I think that the reason that I can't pick is because I've had such an amazing opportunity to interview so many freaking awesome women on my podcast and men as well. I shouldn't just um, just say women because one of the most popular ones is actually a recent one and that is with Annie and Matthew who are just such an amazing couple in business and out of business as well. I've known them personally for quite a while and they've done our family photos before but um, they've also done, well Matthew has done my business photos as well. So that was a really special episode to, to talk to them and find out how they work together and play together. I think that that would be really difficult. No offense, Ad. I think that we could probably work together, but it might be a bit difficult. That episode, I think, is closely followed by uh, the next most popular episode, which was building your email list without being salesy. And I think that the reason that was so popular because so many women in business really do struggle with the sales component and feeling salesy. So to be able to have permission to build your email list without feeling salesy, I think is really important. Besides interviewing some amazing people on my podcast, there's some amazing people yet to come that I'm really excited to bring to my listeners. And one is my physiotherapist, Emma Millington, 
who's just so great at client retention. So I'm looking forward to having that discussion with her and bringing that podcast to life, as well as Cassandra Goodman, who's been a client of mine, but she's just such a brilliant and articulate woman. And I just know that my listeners are going to love um, that episode with her. So now I'm going to move into a question, which is more for me rather than anyone else. So um, <laughs> just uh, apologies to all, all your listeners. And this is something which hopefully will help help me and um, help me uh, have a have a better marriage. Um, so, what is the most annoying thing about me, or what's the most annoying thing that I do? Are we really going to go there? Um, I've I've got thick skin. You can you can you can be as 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 honest as you want. Oh my goodness, the most annoying thing. I I really don't think that there's much annoying about you, Anne. No. I know, I know, but if I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna have to pick something. So there's, okay, so there's two very little things, super little things. <laughs> you really want me to say Yes, this? I do. Come on, this is all about personal growth. <laughs> so the first one is your infatuation with squeezing the toothpaste from the bottom, the toothpaste tube from the bottom. And I think, I think for a bit of context, that's the reason why we have two different lots of toothpastes. Is that why? <laughs> because I never knew. There you go. Because you are so infatuated with squeezing from the bottom. My theory is you just squeeze from wherever and then, you know, when you get to a point where there's not much left, then that's kind of where you push it up from the bottom. I can't, I can't live with that. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I thought of that came to my mind, and I have to give a bit of context here as well, is our kitchen sink tap has one of those hoses that you can pull so you can get into the like pull down so you can um, kind of get into the corners of the sink or like rinse out a big bowl or what have you. So I find that whenever you use that, you don't push it back in. You just kind of leave it dangling and that can be kind of annoying. Okay, thank you. I'm just taking notes here. I'll uh, (laughs) see if I can improve. But no, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. No, I'm not. I'm not changing my toothpaste habits. Maybe, maybe the kitchen sink one. I can, I can, I can work on. Okay, we'll live with two different toothpastes then. Excellent. Sounds good. On a completely different uh, tangent, what's your favourite movie? Oh, easy, easy question. Sliding doors. Why? I love the concept that every decision, every micro decision that we make in our lives can lead us on a different path. But at that same time, we can go on two different paths, and they can come back and meet at the same point, I think that that concept is amazing. And that's why I love that new movie, what's it called? Everything, The one that, the one that won all the Oscars. Yes, Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called. Okay, so the one that won all the Oscars. Yep. I love that concept that we go on all of these little different paths during our lives and we can, you know, learn different things or become different people just because of those micro decisions. I love it. I'm so impressed you're, you're, you're aligned with the the youth of today because they all love that movie so congratulations you're you're uh, you're aligned with the with all the youngins so well done yay me okay so one thing that people may or may not be surprised <laughs> to, to know is and it, it surprised me a little bit and horrified me in other ways but you've got this playlist on spotify that you've hooked into called housework hits <laughs> and it's really tragic tell us about housework hits why you like about it and and, and what's the best housework hit song? <laughs> I think it's really slack you brought this up. But yes, I do have... Well, it's not my playlist. It's just a playlist that I have found. 
But originally, it came from a suggestion because of the amazing Spotify algorithm. I was actually listening to a playlist around 90s pop running songs. Um, Not because I was running, but because I wanted to walk really fast. So I was listening to that. And obviously, the 90s music is my era of music. And I just loved it. It was really, really, really cool. So Housework Hits has come from a Spotify algorithm. But can I just say that also there is one song that I'm really loving on the 90s pop run um, playlist. Yes. Don't leave us in suspense. Come on. And it's called The One and Only. It's called The One and Only by Chesney Hawks. And I know that you guys all pick on me for that. But it's a is it a one hit wonder? You're, you're well, I was, go- I was going to ask, like, Chesney Hawks. Can we name any other Chesney Hawks songs? <laughs> Probably not. I can't. Maybe there's a reason for that. Um, but, you know... There's been some great one-hit wonders over time, so well done, Chesney. Yeah, and I guess that if I was a really good editor right now, I'd pop in an excerpt from that song. One other thing that people may or may not know about you, Mel, is you love footy. Mm-hmm. And footy is it's pretty popular in our household. But what is it about footy and which footy codes, And but what is it about it that you, that you love? Okay, so... I've followed rugby league ever since I was little and I follow the South Sydney Rabbitohs as does everyone in my family and I think that that's the thing that draws me to it and it's the same thing that draws me to the AFL and following Geelong as well. So there's that sense of family following together and a bit of tradition. So in terms of South Sydney, the reason that I follow South Sydney is because my dad does. Um, my dad has followed South Sydney forever because he grew up in that area. Um, around Redfern and that's why he follows it his brother follows South Sydney as well all of my cousins do like it's always been a really big thing one of my cousins played for South Sydney for a while as well so it's just like a really ingrained thing in our lives and the most exciting thing about this is obviously you weren't a South Sydney fan you were a North Sydney fan correct and we all know what happened to to North Sydney they ended up sad face yeah sad face they're no longer in the competition so you follow South Sydney now absolutely and the most exciting thing about that as well is the now that your your family who are from Perth follow South Sydney my nephews are big South Sydney fans so we've kept it in the family and I think that that's what I really really love about a sport and tradition is keeping it in the family. So similarly with the AFL, your family has followed Geelong all their lives, have been big Geelong fans from from day dot. And there's a, a story behind that as well. But bringing me into the family has meant that I've followed Geelong and now, you know, my father likes to follow Geelong as well. So it's really cool that there's that kind of family bond yeah. around sport. And actually this, this works very well for our marriage because we can, I can watch football and you can enjoy it and, and vice versa. So it's, you know, something that brings us together. So very true. hooray for football. Hooray. So we have a beautiful dog named Ellie and she's mm. beautiful and slightly annoying and a little bit neurotic, <laughs> but amazing in so many different ways. Yes. So I feel like we've, we've had her now for about three and a half years, three years, mm. and she's taught us a lot. What is one life lesson that you reckon having a dingo join the family has has taught you? Well, and that's an interesting story in itself, isn't it? Mm. The fact that Ellie is a rescue dog and the fact that we didn't know that she was so much dingo when we, when we rescued her. 
Uh, I think that she was advertised as a cross between a whippet and a kelpie, which I think was the appeal because I really wanted to have a real dog, like a, a working dog, and you really loved the whippets at that time as well. So we were like, oh my goodness, this is the perfect dog. Obviously, she turned out to be no whippet whatsoever. <laughs> it was just that she was so scrawny and, and skinny when um, we first saw her. But I think that, yes, she has tried us in so many ways. But I think that she's taught me patience and being in the moment. They're probably two things. Just to take a deep breath at times and understand that, you know, behaviors are happening not because she's particularly being naughty or anything but that's just because you know she has health issues and just to be patient with that and being in the moment I think um, Ellie has really helped me to stop when we go on walks and look around and take notice of things and to look up and just enjoy the present moment so I think that they're two things that she's taught me Mm. very true I Mm. feel like exactly the same way Mm. So I don't think people in, in that listen to your podcast will be surprised when I say that you are very organized, very punctual. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you like, as I said before, you like to keep things on the straight and narrow. Yes. Um, I don't think people will be surprised at that at all. And within our family, we have people who are on the other spectrum to that, um, <laughs> who are not overly organized and not very punctual. I may or may not be one of those people. <laughs> but... I, I, so I guess my question is, how do you how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? <laughs> really, you want me to answer this question? I do. Well? I want to know. Okay, I'm not going to lie, and it can be frustrating. And it's the same when you deal with anyone who is not like you. So if you're in that corporate space and you're like a very organised person, but you come across someone who's kind of you know a bit relaxed, feet up on the desk type attitude, it can be frustrating, right? But I always think about the fact that. Everyone has their strengths. And I'm going to bring this back to content, Ad. (laughs) I'm going to bring this this question back to content. Because just like content creation, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. And when we play to our strengths, then that's when we're going to, you know, achieve more and feel good about achieving those things. So whilst I find it frustrating that there are people that are different to me in this household, I also acknowledge the fact that you have other strengths as well. And I guess turning it back on yourself, it's one of those things where people can become really myopic on what's important to them. Yes. And having, I guess, the awareness that what works for you is not necessarily what works for someone else, I think is is a strength of yours where you can go, okay, this is not really working for me, but I know that it works for this person over here, so I can kind of live with that. Yeah, so thank you. No, thank you. All right. Let's get a bit, let's get back to why people actually listen to this podcast. Um, So what's the biggest mistake that your one-to-one clients are making before they come to you? Clearly after they come to you, you know, you've ironed out all their mistakes, but what's Mm -hmm. the biggest mistake that your one-to-one clients are making before they come and, and work with you? I think it's searching for the magic silver bullet, thinking that there is a right way to do content and that there is a particular formula that they can follow in order to be successful at content strategy and content creation. So I I think that once they do work with me, they find that 
content is really about not just understanding the who they're talking to, their ideal client, but also the you. And when we think about that you portion of content creation and content strategy, then that's when we truly become powerful with our content because we are, like we've already mentioned, um, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. And when we work to those strengths, then that's when we can find that content really can work for us rather than against us. The who, the who and the you. The I who, like that. The who and can the I, you. Can I use that? You can. Excellent. Following on from that question, what's your best tip when it comes to content strategy and content creation? Yeah, I think once again, it comes back to that humanistic side of content marketing. When we, when we shift our focus from transactional-based content marketing to one that's really centered and focused in on the human side of things, whether it's the who or the you (laughs) that we just mentioned, then that's when people are going to experience the most business and personal growth because they're really in tune, they're aligned with um, who they are as people and who the fact that they are communicating to a human with their with their content there's a human on the end of every piece of content so i really my biggest tip is to just really tune in to the fact that there is a humanistic side of content marketing it's just not about formulas and transactions got a question for you off script i'm not sure you're gonna like this i know you don't like me going off script but i'm gonna go off script do you do you know that you talk with your hands as much as you do I'm sure the people on the podcast, I don't know, maybe they have seen you on videos, but you use your hands a lot. I do. I know I do. Excellent. Yeah, thanks. That's great. I've never noticed it before. (laughs) I'm learning things all the time. Okay. I'm going to take it back on script now, back on track. Mm -hmm. So let's focus. Mm. If you were to come back to life as an animal, (laughs) what would it be and why? I'm going to say... Well, if it was a domesticated animal, it'd have to be a dog. After having a dog ourselves, I can see it's a pretty pretty cruisy life, especially if you have good owners who take you for walks, feed you, water you, love on you. I think that a dog would be a pretty good life. And if it was a wild animal, then it, I'd have to relate it back to, to Ellie as well. It'd have to be Dingo. I think that they're such amazing animals and just their sense of, I guess, survival their sense of survival is really, really in tune, whether, you know, even our Ellie has has that sense of survival and does things that are really, really interesting. So I would say a dog and, or a dingo. Hmm. I could I could buy into that. Yeah. I reckon that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be a good life. I'm going to ask a question. You, as you know, your listeners wouldn't know, but you know, mm-hmm. um, that I love live music. It's mm-hmm. one of the things that's really important to me. I love going, I have brought our children into that world maybe kicking and screaming a little bit, but now I think they've bought in, <laughs> especially our, our son. We, we love going to see, see bands together. Mm. So what's the fa- what's your favourite band or the, your favourite show that you've seen live? Uh, this is a tough question as well because I don't... I've always had this belief of why go and see bands live when you can just listen to them on your CD. So that was always my kind of view of live music. And I know that you have significantly changed that that view. And I do like to go occasionally to see bands live. So things that, that I think that the shows that pop into my head, and I think the first one is the first live show that I ever went to. And you may have to fill me in a little bit here. And that was at the Coogee Bay Hotel. <laughs> we saw Tism. Yes, we did. 
Who else was playing that day? Regurgitator and yes. the Fobes were playing that day. Yeah, okay. So that was an experience. That was definitely an experience being my first. Was that your live, first live show? My first live show. Wow, I probably should have uh, taken to something <laughs> a little bit less confrontational, but you know, you came back for more, so that's good. I, I did come back for more. So that's, that's the first one I can think of, like my very first live show. And then what, there was like the Enmore Theatre. So we used to live near the Enmore Theatre, quite close to the Enmore Theatre for a while. So we saw the music who were just an amazing energetic show there. And we saw the Dandy Warhols, who I love as well. So they're two memories. But the one that really sticks out in my mind is going to see Kylie Minogue at the O2 Arena in London. And at the time I was pregnant. And it's been really interesting to know that or to see that when our daughter was young, she really loved Kylie Minogue. Mm. I think there's a connection. So you think she she got the the love through through the womb? I do. Yeah, mm. I remember that show. Mm. That was very good. You lie. <laughs> Did I not enjoy it? I, I thought it was great. I had a good time. I could. I'm not a massive Kylie fan, <laughs> but I can appreciate the uh, the show that she puts on, and it was uh, it was good fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good time. Two questions to go. Okay. All right. So second last question. Mm-hmm. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Starting a business, uh, for sure. I think that starting something from scratch and starting something that you knew nothing about can be really, really scary. So I would have to say starting a business. So I actually lied when I said there's two questions to go. Mm. There was actually three questions to go. So I'm not going to ask you the second, second last question. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So everyone's got opinions and they tend to be pretty, you know, they, we try and be a little bit uncontroversial and, you know, we want we want, to, want people to like us. Um, <laughs> but what's your unpopular opinion? Yeah, I think that's easy from a business perspective. It's definitely that sales funnels suck. And I, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily like that opinion because sales funnels and the way that they're taught are very, I'm going to say call it bro marketing. I think that my listeners will understand that term of bro marketing, like very, very salesy, very pushy, very um, heavy type things. Whereas I feel like funnels need to be a little bit more humanistic and really focus on the person and taking them on a journey rather than trying to sell them something from the outset. It's about that journey with you, the connection, the nurture before they actually get to the conversion. Okay. So that's a, my business one. Can I give you a personal yeah, yeah, please opinion? Do. I think that um, a lot of people think that problems are meant to be solved. They've always meant to be solved. Whereas I don't necessarily think that. I think that sometimes instead of sol- trying to solve someone's problem, if they came to you and said, oh my goodness, this is happening in my life and blah, blah, blah. Oh my goodness. They don't necessarily want a solution. They just want to be heard. And I think that that's a really strong thing to be able to be present and to listen rather than go straight into problem solving mode. Mm. So not all problems are meant to be solved. Yeah, it's it's a really good point. It's it's something that a lot of people do because people are, uh, I think, naturally empathetic and they want to help people. Yes. And so if, pe- and if people come to you and they, they come to you with a problem, your natural reaction is to go, okay, this is a person that's, suffering in some way shape or form i'm going to try and solve their problem and stop them from suffering or stop them from struggling um and having that understanding that's some a lot of times actually not what people need or want is is uh a big leap so Hmm. yeah i I agree with your opinion there yeah words of wisdom from adam daniels wow they they come about once every three months (laughs) um all right so (laughs) this is definitely the last question great not lying this time last question in your podcast, you always ask your guests about 
their superpower. I do. Right? I know yes. that's something that you always ask. So before we finished up, I couldn't leave the podcast without asking you, <laughs> what's your what's your superpower? I have to say it's listening. Listening to people and allowing them to feel heard. So I guess that's kind of in line with my unpopular opinion. But just really being present for people and understanding what their problems are and if they're ready and they want to, taking them then to that point of uh, solving their, their problems. So, so really supporting them along the way and being their biggest cheerleader as well. So I think that's my superpower. No, I, would, I would agree with that. I see that from the sidelines a lot um, in your business and just in personal life as well. And I would 100% agree. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Yeah. So I feel like we've come to the end of our podcast today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me take the reins. I, uh, I don't think I'm going to leave my day job and um, go into the world of podcasting. Not sure that's, uh, that's, that's where my, uh, the most and best and most powerful use of my time. But, you know, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned some stuff. I'm going to take away the who and the you. And I've heard a term called bro marketing that I've never, never known before. So this has been a learning experience for me. But thank you. It's been heaps of fun. And yeah, I hope your listeners have enjoyed finding out a little bit more behind the person behind the question. So uh, thanks very much. It's been fun. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate you. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support that you give me in this business journey, because I know that without it, um, I wouldn't have got to where I am. So thank you. My pleasure. Love you. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for another week. To get more powerful content in your life, make sure you're following along on socials. My handle is at Meld Business. And just in case you're wondering, the groovy music for this podcast was created by Just Here on SoundCloud. I'd also be super grateful if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast so more amazing women like you can experience the power of content. And if you're like, hell Mel, stop talking. I'm ready to work with you now. Here's how we can work some powerful content magic together. Firstly, come and join the content effect. My membership, Inspiring Women with Service-Based Businesses to ditch the content chaos and start creating standout content that gets you noticed and makes sales. You can join us by using the link in the show notes or just Google the content effect. The second way we can work together is via my one-on-one packages. We can create a sustainable content strategy or start to build out your client journey. It's up to you. Pop on over to meldbusinessservices.com.au forward slash services to find out more. Until next time, have a beautiful week and embrace the power of your content.